0: Hi, my name is Father Mike Schmitz, and you're listening to the Catechism in a Year podcast, where we encounter God's plan of sheer goodness for us, revealed in Scripture, and passed down through the tradition of the Catholic faith. The Catechism in a Year is brought to you by Ascension. In 365 days, we'll read through the Catechism of the Catholic Church, discovering our identity in God's family as we journey together toward our heavenly home. This is day 14. We're reading from paragraphs 101 to 180. Eight. And if you want to know, uh, I'm using the it Ascension edition of the Catechism, which includes the foundations of faith approach. You can follow along, of course, with any recent version of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. You can also download your catechism and your reading plan by visiting ascensionpress.com C-I-Y. Also, please, if you want, click, follow, or subscribe in whatever podcast app or however you're listening to this. That way you get daily updates and daily notifications. So, as I said, it is day 14. We're reading from paragraphs 101 to 108. Again, keep this in mind. We're in part one, pillar one, what we believe. We're diving more deeply into divine revelation. And we're speaking specifically now about the revelation of God. And article three, the one we're starting today is on sacred scripture and how Jesus Christ is the unique word of sacred scripture. And oh gosh, you guys, one of the things you're going to hear, some of the things you're going to hear, not only is the motivation of God, who just, again, who wants to speak like a father to his children, that's the, here's the motive of God who just loves us. We're also going to hear what is the church's stance towards sacred scripture. And one of the things you'll hear is that the church has always venerated the scriptures as she venerates the Lord's body. And this, this oh, powerful, powerful note about how we esteem sacred scripture and in such an incredible way. But then also, if you've ever wondered. So what is it that Catholics believe about the word of God when it comes to, um, how is it transmitted to us? In what way is it God's word? In what way is it true? In what way? To, how does how does it come to us? Now we've, for the last couple of days have talked about the transmission of sacred scripture, but this day in the next couple of days, we are going to look at, well, what is sacred scripture? Like it's okay. It's God's words, but, but what does that mean? And then how do we read it in light of knowing that it's God's word, um, how is it that we understand it? So that, that is what we're gonna look at uh, today. And so that is just, I don't know. I just think that's it's so powerful to be able to recognize today. We're gonna hear even more clearly than we have maybe ever have in our lives what it is that the word of God really is, how we approach the word of God and, and why the word of God comes to us like it does. So let's pray. Father in heaven. We thank you so much. Thank you for, for loving us to a point uh, where you re- want to reveal yourself to us. Thank you for loving us in such a way that you've given us your word, your only be- beloved son, your only begotten son, Jesus Christ, your word made flesh and how Jesus Christ has revealed you fully to humanity and how your Holy Spirit has continued to operate, how your Holy Spirit has continued to move in the the people of God, how the Holy Spirit has continued to to guide us, we ask you to please send that same Holy Spirit to renew in our hearts a love of your word, to renew in our hearts uh, an understanding and a desire for your word, and to enlighten our minds so that we can understand you and understand your word, all so that we can follow you more closely. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. As I said, it is day 14. We're reading paragraphs 101 to 108. Article three, Sacred Scripture. Christ, the unique word of Sacred Scripture. In order to reveal himself to men, in the condescension of his goodness, God speaks to them in human words. Dave Erbem states, Indeed, the words of God expressed in the words of men are in every way like human language, just as the word of the Eternal Father, when he took on himself the flesh of human weakness, became like men. Through all the words of sacred scripture, God speaks only one single word, his one utterance in whom he expresses himself completely. St. Augustine once wrote, You recall that one and the same word of God extends throughout scripture that it is one and the same utterance that resounds in the mouths of all the sacred writers, since he who was in the beginning God with God has no need of separate syllables, for he is not subject to time. For this reason, the Church has always venerated the Scriptures as she venerates the Lord's body. She never ceases to present to the faithful the bread of life taken from the one table of God's Word and Christ's body. In sacred Scripture, The church constantly finds her nourishment and her strength, for she welcomes it not as a human word, but as what it really is the Word of God. Dave Erbum states In the sacred books, the Father who is in heaven comes lovingly to meet his children and talks with them. Inspiration and Truth of Sacred Scripture God is the author of sacred scripture. Dave Erbum states, the divinely revealed realities, which are contained and presented in the text of sacred scripture, have been written down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Further, Day Brubham states, For Holy Mother Church, relying on the faith of the apostolic age, accepts as sacred and canonical the books of the Old and New Testaments, whole and entire, with all their parts, on the grounds that, written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they have God as their author and have been handed on as such to the church herself. God inspired the human authors of the sacred books. Dave Rebum states, To compose the sacred books, God chose certain men who, all the while he employed them in this task, made full use of their faculties and powers, so that though he acted in them and by them, it was as true authors that they consigned to writing whatever he wanted written and no more. The inspired books teach the truth. David Rebum states, Since, therefore, all that the inspired authors or sacred writers affirm should be regarded as affirmed by the Holy Spirit, we must acknowledge that the books of Scripture firmly, faithfully, and without error teach that truth which God, for the sake of our salvation, wished to see confided to the sacred Scriptures. Still, the Christian faith is not a religion of the book. Christianity is the religion of the Word of God. A word which is not a written and mute word, but the word which is incarnate and living. If the scriptures are not to remain a dead letter, Christ, the eternal word of the living God must, through the Holy Spirit, open our minds to understand the scriptures. Okay, so <laughs> that is, this is so good. I don't know if you're experiencing this like I'm experiencing this. I love this particular section of the catechism is so powerful. And it starts out what by once again reminding us that the motivation that God has in revealing himself to us, 101 says, in order to reveal himself to men in the condescension of his goodness, God speaks to them in human words. And that's that's so important for us to establish. Now, that might be overly obvious. Of course, God speaks to us in human words, but not really, because God could reveal himself in any way he wanted, in any way he could imagine, which is probably Thousand different ways more than we could have ever imagined. But he speaks to us in human words. And it's just so powerful because they use this image, you know, Dave Erbum, which we hear from regularly, obviously, it's very, very important document, uses this, this image. He says, indeed, the words of God expressed in the words of men are in every way like human language, just as the word of the eternal father, Jesus, right? When he took on himself, the flesh of human weakness became like men. So it, there's, there's this way in which here is the incarnate word of God, Jesus Christ, who became one of us, but also God's word spoken to us is spoken in human words. And that's just so powerful and just to, real, to realize that here's God's divine condescension. Again, it talks about the condescension of his goodness. What's that mean? That means he stoops down to us and he speaks to us as it says later on as a father speaks to his children and that's so powerful uh, once again paragraph 103 just to highlight this for this reason the reason that this is these are the words of god right this is this is god's Self-revelation of himself. For this reason, the church has always venerated the scriptures as she venerates the Lord's body. And now, that's that's an interesting thing. I I will try to almost every time I have my Bible. Um, if I put it down, if I set it down, I'll always try to kiss it before I set it down. And that's just kind of a little mini devotional thing that I'll I'll typically do. And one of the reasons is because it just reminds me that that this is the sacred text, right? This is the word of God that's been handed to me, not only by, you know, my parents and their, their parents and generations handed to me by the church, of course, but also given to us by the Lord himself. And I just think about, so I always try to, you know, venerate it like that and kiss it before I put place it down. I don't always do that, but it's, it's there. I remember being at a conference for youth and it would, there was a, uh, an Eastern Catholic uh, a priest. And one of the things he did was, you know, as Catholics, we have Eucharistic processions, right? So we have the consecrated host, Jesus Christ incarnate here in the Eucharist. And we have processions, right? Here's the Eucharist in the monstrance and we adore the Lord we worship the Lord in the Eucharist. But this Eastern Catholic priest, he also had a procession of the word of God. He had actually a, a large Bible and it was ornate and beautiful Inside, of course, were the words of God, uh, you know, the word of God scripture. And so he had a procession with that and he blessed the people with the word of God. And it was just so cool to see, you know, what the catechism says here, that the church has always venerated the scriptures as she venerates the Lord's body. And that was kind of a, a really tactical and tangible way that I saw that that happen. Now, in 104 talks about this. The church constantly, through sacred scripture, the church constantly finds her nourishment and her strength. And I just think, that, that is true for the, any of us who have journeyed through the Bible in a year. We recognize that I was being fed every single day, that that every time, even, even if I didn't understand everything out of the reading that day, even if it didn't really pertain necessarily to my life that day, I was nourished. I was fed. And not only nourished and fed, I was strengthened. And that's so, so important um, that we realize that the church constantly has to go back to, we as Christians constantly have to go back to the word of God. Now, the last of the, among the last two points I want to make of this reading for today is is two things. One is, if you were to ask the question, okay, uh, the gospel of Matthew, who wrote the gospel of Matthew? And if you were to answer, um, God did, you'd say yes. And if someone were to say, Matthew did, you'd say yes. So <laughs> this is very, very important. Paragraph 105 and paragraph 106 are making it very, very clear that 105 says, God is the author of sacred scripture. So yes, God is the one. He is the one. Um, in fact, Dave Verboom states this. That Holy Mother Church, relying on the faith of the apostolic age, accepts as sacred and canonical, right? So um, official, we want to say it like that. The books of the Old and New Testaments, whole and entire with all their parts, on the grounds that, written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they have God as their author and have been handed on as such to the church herself. So God is the author. And and then it goes on to say, God inspired the human authors of the sacred books. So God is the author. He inspired those authors of the sacred books. Now, we can sometimes picture what did that look like. As God is is inspiring Matthew to write the gospel of Matthew, what's that look like? In fact, I've seen a painting of uh, Matthew writing the gospel of Matthew. It is not a photograph. It's a painting. It's a painting. An artist's rendering of what that looked like. And here's Matthew, and he's got his quill out, and he's got you know some parchment in front of him. And there's an angel whispering in his ear, and he's kind of like attentively listening to this angel as he's writing down these words. Um, that's some people's image of what that would be like and i don't necessarily that isn't necessarily what's endorsed by paragraph 106 another one would be that you know here someone just goes into a trance and, you know the eyes roll back a little bit and they just start writing and okay i guess that's what god wants written the better image is is given to us here in paragraph 106 it says to compose the sacred books God chose certain men who, all the while he employed them in this task, so again, he's God's the initiator here, he's the one who's guiding them. They made full use of their own faculties and powers. So, so, so that though he acted in them and by them, it was as true authors that they consigned to writing whatever he wanted written and no more. So, the idea here is grace and free will, right? I mean, it's it's one of those things like, wait a second, how is it possible that God is the author of Matthew's gospel and Matthew's the author of Matthew's gospel at the same time without violating the freedom of Matthew or without violating the power of God? And the answer is, I don't know. <laughs> the answer is, it's a mystery. The answer is, we experience this every single time you and I cooperate with God. We cooperate with God freely, but in that freedom, he gives us his grace to do what we could never do without his grace. And this is exactly what's happening when God employed the use of those individuals who wrote the sacred scriptures. So that's one of the reasons why Matthew's gospel sounds different than Luke's gospel. It's one of the reasons why you know Maccabees sounds differently than Isaiah, because different people wrote them using their own different skills, their different faculties, their different way of writing. And it's so powerful, especially when you and I go through the Bible in a year, we can hear the difference. Because we realize, okay, Genesis sounds, it reads way differently than the book of Sirach. It, it's, but they're both inspired by God, just written by different human authors. And that's just so powerful, so powerful. And this is so important. Paragraph 107, the inspired books teach the truth. This is very, very important. What do we believe? We believe that the Bible is true. Here's the long quote. Since, therefore, all that the inspired authors or sacred writers affirm should be regarded as affirmed by the Holy Spirit, we must acknowledge that the books of Scripture firmly, faithfully, and without error teach that truth which God, for the sake of our salvation, wished to see confided to the sacred Scriptures. Now, so when I say truth, what do I mean? I mean truth was as it comes to reality, truth as it comes to our salvation. So, Keep this in mind, we've talked about this in the past when we go through Genesis, those first number of chapters of Genesis where it talks about the creation of the world, that's not meant to be read as a biology textbook or as a chemistry textbook, it's not not a physics textbook. It is a true story and it's a true account of creation uh, and the fall. That's a true account, that's a true story. It doesn't have to be historically and literally true to still be true, if that makes any sense. Again, so, There's no error in it. We have to understand what kind of book we're reading. The example I always give is it would make no sense for me to pick up a geometry textbook and read through it and say, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. This is the worst poetry I've ever read. (laughs) It doesn't even rhyme, right? Because it's not a poetry book. It is a geometry textbook. And so we need to read the scriptures as they've been written. And for the purpose they've been written, that's what we'll talk about tomorrow. It was just so powerful. The last note is what I mentioned a couple days ago that the Christian faith is not a religion of the book. It's a religion of the word of God. And that word of God is a capital W, right? And that word is incarnate and living. And that's the word that comes to us. Like when we pick up scriptures, we are encountering not a dead letter. We are encountering the word who is alive. When we hear scripture proclaimed to us, we are hearing the word of God alive in our lives, in this world, and in our hearts. And so I'm just, I'm just praying that all of us uh, not only continue to walk in this catechism in a year, but that all of us continue to find our nourishment through the scriptures, find our nourishment through the Bible, because every time we read the Bible, every time the Bible is proclaimed, the word of God, capital W, word, capital G, God, the word of God comes to us and meets us where we're at. As a father speaks to his children, he lovingly comes to us, so I'm praying, I'm praying that that you and I, <laughs> that we can be the kind of people who are listening to our Father's voice. I am praying for you. Please pray for me. My name is Father Mike and I cannot wait to see you tomorrow. God bless.